Hello everybody and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, a new Who Doctor Who Watch On podcast. Um, today I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm interviewing Libby, also known as Hybrid1930 on Twitter. She is an amazingly talented illustrator, artist, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, she's a big fan of Doctor Who, does a lot of Doctor Who art online, has a new comic book coming out. So we've just had a little chat about everything Doctor Who and what it's like in lockdown for a graphic designer. So stay tuned and enjoy. I'm the Doctor. I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterberus. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a doctor, but I am. I'm a doctor. There's probably nothing on the expert. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hey Libby, how are you doing? Alright. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. So, yeah, um... Sorry, go on. This is the only problem with Zoom is that I often find that I end up talking over absolutely everybody we ever talk to, so I do apologise. Yeah, no, it's alright. It's not, it's not ideal. But, um, yeah, I think we're all kind of getting used to it and stuff. There's yeah. distance and there's lag and things like that. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm alright. I'm a bit nervous, but... And, um, but yeah, that's, that's normal. It's just talking to new people and stuff like that. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah. exciting stuff. So I came across you on Twitter. Uh, your, people might know you better as hybrid. Is it, are you calling yourself hybrid 1930 or 1930? How you, um, how do you go about that? Um, go for hybrid 1930. Um, yeah. I know there was another user who had hybrid 12 and I kind of thought I could do a sort of play on that because there was, you know, the whole timeline with uh 12th doctor and the hybrid and yes. all that and that series <laughs> and i kind of um i kind of went back to my favorite subject which i'm sure we'll get into unfortunately um and i sort of said yeah i'll go with hybrid 1930 t dalek yes um those, yeah that's been up for about a year now just me using that account and me talking like that and it's been it's been really fun it's been overwhelmingly positive so yeah, it's all exciting stuff. Yeah, because I, I, I came across you on Twitter. I, you know, I noticed all this amazing Doctor Who art you were putting out. How come it's Doctor Who that is the art? I know there's other stuff on there, but it mainly is Doctor Who stuff. So what is it about Doctor Who that you think lends itself to digital art really well? Um, I don't... I think more than anything... So for a fact, for a start, I love Doctor Who. So, mm-hmm. um, of course, that's what I'd be wanting to draw all the time. Um, for my art in particular, I really enjoy and I've loved doing character design. Ever since I was little, I really wanted to do children's storybooks. Yeah. I wanted to be a famous author. You know, was, I remember when I was in year five at school, actually I think it was year six, I told everyone very bravely in front of the whole class, I'm going to be an author, I'm going to publish a book. <laughs> and Everyone was like, oh, yeah, Libby, she's going to publish the book. It's going to be brilliant. And the um, reason why I'd said that was because at the time, my favourite book, Eragon, was, um, which was, um, you know, Christopher Paolini. He was 15 when that was published. So oh, wow, yeah. 15 was my bar. I had, to get, I had to get something done by 15. And I loved, I loved dragons as well. <laughs> it was really quite nerdy in that way. So, so oh, I have to beat him. When, I, when, I, when time went by and I slipped past the age of 15, I was like, sick. You failed. Can't publish anything now. You've 
you've missed your mark. Um, that wasn't the case, fortunately. And it's interesting, I think Pauline was quite a, um, quite a big fan as well of Doctor Who because he made a few references in the book. Um, so not, and I'm not such a big fan of those as I was. And I apologise for rambling as well. No, no, it's fine, but, honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, yeah, so Doctor Who first came on for me. I joined with a new series. It was more or less, you know, the first I'd ever heard of it or seen anything. I must have been nine. So mm. it was nine with the nightmare. And it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> um, I, was, I wasn't even behind the sofa. I wasn't in the room. I was upstairs. My brother reiterated what happened in The Empty Child. We had a sleepless fortnight after that. And um, I don't know, I sort of, you know, it was sort of the second series that I started, started sort of peeking my head around the door and sort of coming in and we had, um, you know, Christopher was amazing. Um, David also absolutely incredible. Um, and I just, I just sort of fell in love with it. I loved, you know, the charisma and the adventures and the thing that had scared me about it, which was the idea of everything being normal and then being ruined by some sort of alien interference and you've got no idea what's going on and sort of everything you thought you knew getting messed up and yeah. destroyed that was that became the opposite it was like you know for goodness sakes I want I want to have an adventure I want something really cool to happen and I think as well because you know because Doctor Who is set in Britain and is sort of a staple of British pop culture there's that other link as well it's like places that you see are potentially places that you know and you may have been and you know you get you get references and stuff it kind of makes you feel quite special so um yeah for a long time I was quite shy about you know especially when I was a teenager about you know being into Doctor Who whether I was into it in the right way if you know what I mean like kind of old did I read the right books? Did I kind of hang out with the right people? Yeah, was, no, I understand. I think know, everyone's sort of... there, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know. Maybe like when I was at when I was at secondary school, and like you're like maybe like year oh I don't know eight or nine, and you're like yeah I like Doctor Who, and I'm like you like you like that like kid show. And I'm like oh calm down mate, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a kid show. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree with you. I, I think know, and you have you... to. Sort of... oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, you have to sort of backpedal. Like, uh, I don't, I don't really like Doctor Who, but then at the same time, everyone kind of gets over that hump, and everyone just sort of, after a while, just admitted, "Yeah, it's a good show. I enjoy Doctor Who. I watched it at the weekend." Exactly, and I feel like and everyone gets well, the references. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone does get the references, and people. I feel like sometimes people pick up on references and make the references without actually realizing where the reference originally comes from. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that when everyone was wearing sort of a bow ties, a cool t-shirt, and was like, this is cool, that is cool, that had come off Matt Smith. And I think, yeah, I think after a while everyone sort of forgot where that had come from as well, which was which was quite nice in a way, because you sort of smile knowingly to yourself. Yeah, but yeah. I suppose Doctor Who as well lends, does lend itself quite well to a creative fan base, especially people like yourself who, would you class yourself as like a digital artist then? Um, I always put multidisciplinary because um big words make me sound clever um <laughs> but i i have i have digital and digital has so many you know advantages you can people use digital out of convenience more mm. than anything and that's that's not cheating that's being smart 
um, but I'm happy to work in anything. I make, um, I'm very crafty. I do a lot of, sort of knitting and prop making and things like that. Not, not to the level that some people do because you get, you know, amazing cosplayers and prop yeah. builders and things like that. And, you know, I'll probably delve into that at some point, but for the moment I'm kind of, um, you know, it's like how, how much time do I have? Can I afford all the materials kind of thing? But yeah, I draw, but yeah, I draw traditional, I draw digital because that's fun. You know, I try painting, I try as many different mediums as I can. And um, I'll often, when I'm coming up with my original stuff, just to sort of, um, you know, to warm up or just sometimes when I was working just in the margins of my note pages and stuff, I just doodle something mm. who related. Mm. And it's funny, but that's kind of how it was boring lessons where I kind of taught myself to draw. I'd just draw, for example, I think a lot of arty people relate to this eyes over and over again just in a just on a back page of something and you have like a happy eye and angry eye and you just keep going and honing you can get really really good if you've had very boring schooling so um yeah now you say that I do remember a distinct notice of people drawing eyes in math books and science textbooks there was that thing of like around 2013 of people just drawing eyes like you go on youtube and it'd be endless tutorials on how to draw an eye yeah, especially manga eyes, and I was—I really love my manga as well. If yeah. you do that, you can get people who can draw an eye amazingly well, like sort of fill a whole A4 sheet with an eye, and then but they can't draw the rest of the body. They can just—they <laughs> can just draw an eye, and um, it's great. It's like you know that's that's amazing, but you can you can it's it's quite daunting to move away from the kind of one thing that you're most confident in and you know it's the old saying the eye is the window to the soul i think that's why people are drawn people are drawn to eyes and they have a lot of symbolic meaning and stuff because when you look at a person that's the first part of their face they look at and after after you know they are sort of the most expressive part of the body as well so we're just sort of programmed to find them interesting i think so yeah no definitely yeah um, is there an incarnation of the Doctor which is your favourite to draw? Because I imagine ones like maybe the Sixth Doctor with his coat and all the magical colours of it must be slightly daunting. But where you look at someone like Christopher Eccleston, he's mainly just a leather jacket and some black trousers. Yeah, no, um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a cheeky one, a bit of an obvious one. At the moment, it's been Jodie who I've liked to draw the most. So the Thirteenth Doctor. Just because, just because I, well, I just really, really relate to her. For a start, it was kind of like, you know, not going, not going too much into it because I know how, I know how people can get very, um, <laughs> yeah, about it. But um, won't talk about that here. This is a nice place. Um, yeah, but um, it kind of like went from, oh, I as a girl can maybe go on an adventure with the Doctor. It was kind of like, I can be the Doctor. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I love the way, I love the way she looks. She is quite. You know, she is quite fairly pretty and, you know, sort of drawing, drawing girls sometimes comes a lot easier um, for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, I, I find I've probably drawn her the most after that, I'd say it was the Tenth Doctor who I'd drawn the most. And he is, um, he's very fun to draw because he's just so expressive, but he has just such, he has quite a difficult face to sort of get right. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, you can draw someone and do, like, the hairstyle, the sort of flicky fringe and the sideburns. But, um, you know, 
that and people look at that and go oh, yes that's that's David Tennant and he's got the costume and stuff but you know his actual face and the way it looks it's actually very specific he's got the you know he's got very dark eyes and you know sort of head shape and stuff like that it's hard to get right so I kind of I kind of almost gave myself a quote-unquote boot camp where I just sat one evening and just tried to fill an A3 sheet with as many drawings and copy drawings of him as I could just to try and get him right and I still have to kind of really work at it to get him right and I think mostly I draw him most because he was a doctor that I you know saw the most and kind of most fell in love with Mm. as a character at first he was kind of quote unquote my doctor but um yeah I do I do genuinely love them all and I enjoy them all and I think just the joy of having a character who can be so many different things just as as you say just has so much creative potential and art potential that yeah I think I think we are really lucky in that sense because don't think there's really anything else like that anywhere no, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it is almost, I think, especially with Doctor like you look at James Bond, there is a handful of actors who play James Bond, but they all look the same and they all wear black suits. But then you have the Doctor and each costume is not off the high street, is it? It's like, I remember watching an interview with Jodie where she spoke about her costume and she said she was just scrolling through like Instagram or something one day and came across this picture of a lady crossing the road and she saved that picture and went, this is, I love this, what she's wearing, because it's feminine, but at the same time, it isn't, look at me, I'm a lady, I'm a woman wearing women's clothes. It's just, these are the clothes that I'm wearing. Yeah, and I love, I love that. I do, I do love that outfit, and it's just so fun. My mum's kind of accidentally got that outfit. She's got the sort of <laughs> trousers, and she's got a pair of sort of Doc Martini shoes with like quite chunky boots and she has her hair as well so she was like look at me i'm the i'm the doctor and yeah kids do that i remember, I remember being a kid and just going daddy do you have like a, a long brown coat it's like why I'm like, oh, no reason no reason <laughs> yeah no I'm like, oh it's, it's to do with doctor who is to, you go, oh, no no it isn't um, <laughs> Which is, which is a shame because so far when I talk about it, I do feel, you know, I talk about being a little bit embarrassed about it, which is, which is silly, really. So, you know, because you shouldn't, you should just enjoy what you like. Well, my dad yeah. gave me, my dad's a cricket nut and he gave me one of his old cricket jumpers. And it was actually, at the time, it was really, really in to wear the most baggy sort of vintage jumper you could find. Yeah. Um, this one had sort of like red scrape marks on it where he'd been sort of polishing the ball to throw it and um so I was like oh thanks dad but it was a bit itchy and scratchy and stuff like that but now you know Peter Davidson I can, I can wear that there is a really lovely sort of portrait of Jodie Whittaker wearing sort of cosplaying as him but in a very feminine way like it's all very fitted and it's more like an homage rather than you know sort of full-on but yeah mm. And putting, you know, putting a little bit of your favourite doctor into what you wear every day and sometimes people pick up on it and sometimes people don't, but just sort of like having that, that's quite a precious thing and it's quite, it can cheer you up as well when you're having maybe a funny day or something. Yeah, no, I definitely remember owning a pair of red Converse's as a kid and being like, yeah, <laughs> I know where I'm oh, wearing yeah. these. <laughs> oh, yeah. So and, um, is, um, you I've mentioned... got a pair of... Sorry, go on. 
Oh no, 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 no. Well, I just I was just gonna say I have a pair of white ones which I've had for over a year now and you know they look pretty cool. Yeah. I do have a trench coat, don't have a brown suit, I have to borrow a tie from someone. <laughs> I have one tie. It's a very chunky seventies tie and I got it from a vintage shop, but that's that's my tie that I have and I pair with everything. So yeah. that was a good buy. Would you is ten your favourite then? Is he your doctor? I don't know. I think I don't really think that I do have a definitive doctor, and I don't say that to be diplomatic because there's just so many things that I like about all the different doctors. I think, in terms of like the time that I got into it, yes, probably. My favorite doctor is 12, mm. you know, for lots of reasons. I kind of, you know, I like, I like Peter Capaldi. Um, I think he's a really good actor. I like, I really like, uh, I like the way he looks. I like the way he's quite minimal. I kind of quite, we talk about clothes a lot in this conversation. But, um, <laughs> I like, you know, an older guy wearing a hoodie. Why not? I love that. Um, and, you know, how he's kind of, he's kind of a bit of a rocker. He's got his guitar and stuff. I really relate to that because I really do like, you know, a good bit of classic rock and stuff like that. I just kind of feel a bit of, an affiliation with that I kind of get him and sometimes when he's a bit harsh as a character or you know it can be quite frightening I've always kind of understood where he's coming from not to not to condone being cruel and stuff like that but yeah no he just really he just feels so right I kind of have something positive to say about each one and for me I think he was he was born to play the doctor yeah definitely he's also a, a version of doctor that is probably quite known for his diverse costume, you know, it pr- stays pretty similar, hoodie under a jacket with a t-shirt, but sometimes it's a jumper, sometimes the jacket has a nice red lining. So when you're drawing these characters, how do you pick which version of the costume you would like to pick? Well, um, I'm a total, it often depends on my mood, but also I'm a total Pinterest nut. So when I start any drawing, I what I do first is I go on Pinterest and I look through I just gather as many images as I can and sort of just look at them, try and sort of think of the mood I want to establish. Often I'll have an idea of um I have an idea in my head of what I want to do and where I want to go with it. And then, you know, depending on what I find, I'll change my mind or I won't change my mind. And so yeah, that's um that's kind of how I do it. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because I know um when I've done, obviously, doing the podcast, but I have to do some semi-graphic work as well. And I often find myself disappearing into a Pinterest hole of going, I've never seen this picture of the Seventh Doctor before. Where did this come from? And you just disappear into nowhere, yeah. Yeah, I have, um, and you have GIFs as well. And sometimes you can just, you know, just a little section of them acting or saying something and you can, oh, I like the move that creates. I really want to capture that. Yeah. So yeah, um, and the unfortunate thing again is, um, so it's the Doctor who is the biggest, you know, I've put out so much stuff with the Doctor, I've been doing my sort of series of just drawing every single one, working backwards, and I've only got, I've only got Hartnell to do now, it's only the first Doctor, so I'm nearly done, we'll say, I'll say only, um, you know, I've I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. I'm probably gonna draw them yeah. again at some point. <laughs> draw, but um, yeah, I've um, 
I'm been sort of out on the outside, but not complete, completely, because my absolute favourite thing more has been the Daleks. Yes. Being a Dalek fan, which is <laughs> a funny position to be in. Well, not not always, but um, for all kinds of reasons. And um, that's that's tricky, of course, because of like copyright and stuff like that. It's like, you know, it's a bit it's a bit like Fort Knox. They had trouble getting them back on the show. I don't even know if we're allowed to talk about them on here. I'm sure we <laughs> oh, are. But... Yeah, I'm sure we are. But I know what you mean. Um, whenever we do little video segments of our podcast trying to source clips that we can use with the videos that are going to instantly get fragged up by the BBC is almost a challenge yeah. within itself. So no, I know what you mean. I've got friends who do um, some graphic design work and they, you know, release, especially at the moment with COVID, they've been doing custom face masks, but trying oh, to get yeah. around loopholes of, well, I want to use this celebrity, but obviously I can't just put them straight on the face mask. So what, represents them and what can i use that isn't directly them that won't get me in trouble and mm-hmm. so yeah it's definitely in my yeah. field when we spoke on twitter yeah, you mentioned that, um you mentioned that you've just co-illustrated a new book called um the renegades arctic meltdown um what what is that yep. book about so I, I had a quick look on amazon and it does look really interesting thank you um so what that is, is it's a comic about tackling climate change um, by three individuals who have superpowers. So essentially it's a superhero graphic novel. Um, and it's been, it's been amazing to work on it. It's been so fun. But a big, big component as well that we've all kind of, um, we've all kind of faced, we've all kind of gotten into was, um, you know, more than anything, almost climate anxiety. And yeah. so there is a really big sort of focus on mental health as well. And um, actually, because I was feeling anxious about that sort of thing, that I spoke, you know, I spoke to, um, I sort of got in touch with them in the first place because I was like, you know, you've said that that's what you want your comic to be about, and this is something I feel very passionate about. And it's been, it's been a really, it's been a really amazing experience. Um, yeah. So that's out on the. F- first of october yeah by the time this episode are, goes out i believe it'll already it'll, it'll already be out so i'll link it in the description for people to go and yeah have a so um, yeah available in all good bookstores um it's yeah it's available on amazon and in waterstone so if that's anything you think you fancy checking out um and of course it's like you know it's sort of pre-teen to older kind of um yeah age group so you know anyone anyone can pick it up um but something that's been really positive actually is um because it's published under Dorling Kindersley is going international with it because um we've had some really positive feedback from you know the American publishers and then saying you know we'd quite like to have sort of hardback copies oh, wow. of it which you know which yeah we weren't originally going to do but because they thought you know we want school libraries to have these because it's a very important issue and um the Jeremy who is um our you know, the sort of, it's his brainchild, the comic, he does, um, he, you know, he studies geography and climate science and stuff, so the science is very on point, that's very sort of, well, you know, we have some, you know, we have giant, you know, methane breathing kaiju, so, um, you know, it's not completely accurate science, <laughs> but um, you've got to have some creative li- liberty. No, definitely. And, um, 
yeah but you know it's very sort of positive positive ways forward you know what can you actually do you know to help in terms of like you know it doesn't you know things about climate striking stuff and almost you know things that are a little bit difficult and almost a little bit more nuanced yeah um but yeah no i'm so glad to have been involved in that um and we're already working on the sequel so that's exciting too that's in the works and oh, great. Um, it sounds like it's definitely um it, from what you said it's a very now story you know it's dealing with issues that are relevant now oh yes it seems impossible for it not to um gain some sort of interest from people especially within the circle of you know these activists who are very interested in very passionate about pushing this message and hopefully this will go some way to um you know reaching new people and getting more people aware of the issues oh yeah for sure yeah no i'm i'm so i'm so glad that projects like this have existed and just you know just working on it and being a part of it has made me feel like i'm doing something even if it means sort of sitting at my desk all day you know <laughs> yeah. talking about it it's it's it has been yeah, I I think it's a really valuable tool and I think it's really going to help in a lot of big ways, hopefully. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. How do you go about co-illustrating something? Because I always imagine that it, it, you get the story and then they give you a rough idea of maybe what the characters look like and then you do some rough designs and then they, you know, whoever's mm-hmm. in charge will, you go, I oh, know, I like this one. But when you have a co-illustrator and during lockdown as well, how has that been? Has that been mm. a challenge to sort of get around? Not at all, actually, because um, communicating hasn't been a problem at all. You know, we live, we all live in, already live in like such a digital world. So you just send a text message to someone. Yeah, they're they're all up in London. I was I was travelling up to see them, um, and you know that would take a long time. I don't mind that journey at all. Um, but um, you know, if anything, kind of because because of COVID, because we can have Zoom meetings, it's you know so much cheaper. You're not you don't have to leave the house, and you can do it. So it's been fine. Um, so reason why we had two illustrators was because you know for time management more than anything, and um, you know it's and again that's been nothing but positive. We have slightly different styles, but we both sort of took you know sort of divert not diverged the opposite um sort of came together and was like sort of so you can tell when i've done something you can tell tell when my colleague's done something yeah but um yeah you know sort of it's you know we just sort of divided up the scripts like okay if you do these chapters when you do these chapters so we can be working on more than one chapter at the same time um and then we have the colorist who would you know again huge weight off our shoulders because we don't need to be doing the colour ourselves we just need to do the line work yeah yeah and so it's yeah it's a lot it's a lot easier than you think and you know it's kind of nice because we just supported each other and there's things about her artwork that I absolutely adore that she's really good at and there's things that you know I'm quite good at but she's she's really pleased about we kind of sort of just help each other and encourage each other and it's it's really fun you think about a lot of comic anthologies you think about all the different artists who work on say the same Marvel character over the years. Um, and sometimes you get sort of guest illustrators and stuff like that. So it's not, it's not unusual. And it's been, um, yeah, and I think having that bit of diversity as well, it's quite fun because it's sort of, you know, interesting storytelling 
showing, you know, because we have different ideas. I quite like cinematography and stuff like that. So um, I quite like sort of playing around with frames and how we're going to do that. My colleague wasn't so into that at first, not, not because of a lack of trying, but just because I haven't really thought about it and they became a lot more experimental too. So yeah, um, an interesting way of working and it's, it's been really beneficial. It'll be interesting to see if, if um, your readers will be able to spot the difference between you, the two artists. If Because I know sometimes when I read a comic book, you'll be like, issue one, illustrated by X, and then you go to like, issue 12, and it's a different yeah. artist. You're like, hang on a minute. But from what you said, it sounds like you've come to sort of a common ground, like a middle ground of a blend of styles. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, well, you can't you can tell when it's a different... You can tell when it's different to us, you can tell my work from hers. I think I think it would be quite it would have been a shame if we had sort of been very stuck to the same style. Because then um, you know, sort of things that made us individual and that we could bring to the artwork as, you know, separate people would be lost. Yeah. A bit. But yeah, I remember it is sometimes quite jarring when it's suddenly a different artist. You're like, um, hello. And you're kind of, sometimes you can even be, you can be a bit aggressive in a way. It's like, oh, but I like the old, I like the old artist. And then after a while, often you look at the art, you're like, no, this is just as good. It's just different. Exactly. Yeah. During lockdown, I imagine there's a lot of people who have started to get into more creative aspects, you know, podcasts, writing screenplays, books, illustrations. Um, For people who are wanting to get into this, what advice would you give them? Is there a certain um, software that they should buy? Should they have drawing pads? Um, what What do you think is the best way to go about it? Um, so personally, I think the best way to go about it is to, and people hate it when I say this, is to just start drawing. Um, and um, well, people hate it because it's very, very vague. It's like, yeah, but how? I want to draw, but I want to get good. Mm. Um my thing is, um, well, I'm autistic as well, so kind of like I have that kind of drive to draw. That is the thing I want to do. That is the thing I want to keep doing. So I've always, you know, doodled and scribbled all my life. Um, so yeah, if you have, if you have an idea, I'd say you know, just draw. You might be surprised. Don't be afraid to draw your work and put it out there. Um, people often worry about art theft. Yeah. And sure, while that's a problem, it's technically a form of copyright if you post your work online. Sure, people people can trace it and things like that because once it's online, there is a date that proves that you were the first person to do make that image because it's been posted there and it's been on there since X date. So don't worry about that. Every you know, if you do a rubbish drawing, or you look back on a drawing, and you're like, oh, that was that was really shocking. I can't believe I would um. You know, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Um, you can, um, you know, there's more where that came from. You know, okay, you drew it bad this time, but tomorrow you could, you know, you could do a lot better. Um, be inspired, definitely. Go, if it's an artist you like and you kind of, part of you kind of wants to be like them, be inspired by them. Don't be afraid to sort of copy drawings that they've done. It's usually best if you don't, post those online not so much because of copyright again or if you are going to post them online you know say where you got it from originally but it's also because that's not you and that balance that balance is um yeah again a bit of a tough one 
Yeah, I know because I do I do some freelance photography now and again, and you post a photo online and it'll get some good traction, and then you start following the you're looking at the accounts that have liked it, and you know half a dozen of them have reposted your image, but they don't always give you credit or tag you in the image. Um, have you have you come across some of your stuff online before? I'm going, hang on a minute, that's mine. And well, it's interesting. Someone did so the last doctor that I did so Patrick Troughton someone did sort of go oh yeah I'm, I'm stealing this in a sort of jokey way and used it as their profile picture and that that wasn't a problem because um you know I don't I don't know whether they it's or not but it was kind of a little bit um okay like could have just just do that yeah um, just take that um I haven't I haven't really I've been quite lucky either lucky or a bit dense to not go looking because I'm not even even if people did do that it's not very you know it, if people can't if people can't actually do my art the way that I do, it will become very obvious very quickly. Mm. So, you know, it's not, not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, just, just be brave about it. Um, you will, if you want to do art, you will develop a thick skin if you just have a sort of growth mindset. Sounds very sort of boardroom. <laughs> um, yeah, I say just don't don't be afraid to give it a go. Don't be afraid to, especially with something like um like fan art. You have a you have a built-in community, yeah. people who are going to be looking at your artwork and seeing you improve. So, you know, as well online and stuff. Talk to friends if you have someone that you trust quite well to be honest with you. Ask for critiques, um, and they'll or sort of have a sort of goal that you work towards so like it helps it helps to understand what the artists who you aspire to or the sort of positions that you aspire to have and what it takes to get there and you know being being honest with yourself when you're not quite there yet but in a positive way you think I'm not like that yet but I can be if I just keep trying and you know it's sometimes you're doing way better than you think as well so you know something you draw which looks awful is going to look amazing to someone else because they didn't do it and because you've done it and it's your thing and they've not seen it before no i definitely agree this probably seems like a better time than ever to ask does this mean i have your permission to use some of your drawings in the thumbnail for this video you can use some of my drawings otherwise it would be a very boring thumbnail <laughs> Talks to this amazingly yeah, no, but well, we show none of her work. <laughs> yeah, no. So oh, she's she's good. Take our word for it. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. I've been um. So kind of more more than anything. Is it is it all right if I kind of go on to like? Do we have a particular time limit or? No, no. Let's talk for as long as you like. like oh, as long as I like it. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Um. In which case, do you have um? Is there anything else in particular you'd like to ask or anything like that of me? Sort of. Yeah, well, we touched on it. We'll, go, well, considering this is a Doctor Who podcast, we'll throw ourselves back into that world. Is there, we, ah. we, know, we know that you really like to draw 10 and um, 13. Is there one that mm-hmm. just doesn't feel right or one that you draw and you're like, oh, I'm not feeling this? Actually, I have to say no, to be honest, because I think everybody everybody brings something new to the rock in every single person that you ever see in a drawer is something that you can capture and you know something you can emulate and something you can show to people that's going to be really you know 
everyone has something that they brought for role and every you know there's especially as i say especially with character design you look at sort of disney designers they're not always drawing princesses they'll often go out and exercise just by drawing people based on the street and be like a caricature of some old man they saw on a bus and they make it look gobsmacking and make it yeah. look incredible and like every <laughs> part of their face make it work together and making a character out of it and it, you know it's the same with all the doctors um yeah, what i struggle most with was um the war doctor so john hurt because i love i love john hurt as an actor um bless him uh and i really wanted to do right by him so i started drawing him and made it very um you know, dead, dead Daleks everywhere, and and um, all this um, you know, sort of really dark colours, and you know, sort of contrasting colours, and him sort of standing there looking really grim. And I went too realistic with the way I was drawing him, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't feel this drawing. I don't really know what I can do to improve it, but it just feel, you know, it just feels like it's not me the way I'm doing it. And a few days later, I did a doodle of him. I looked at the doodle and went, yeah, that's it. That's the drawing <laughs> I want to use up. And it is, out of all of them, it's the simplest one I've got. It's just him walking. It's just, it's like, it is like very scribbly. It's just him walking away, you know, black and white, no colour. Looking behind him, just having this slight smile on his face. Like he sort of thought of something funny. And I think something little like that as well. Can you know? Because you can do the obvious stuff of the War Doctor. He's on Gallifrey, and it's all, it's all going downhill. And you know, you can do the obvious thing. But then, I often, I often like doing things that are a little bit unexpected. And with with John Hurt, you know, see, it, yeah, it just it just seemed like right at the end. As again, as I say, because because I just loved him in all the things that he did before. You know, Alien. Uh, <laughs> Grew up watching Merlin yes. a lot, but um, <laughs> so that was kind of it was kind of a big thing. But um, no, and just you know, 1984 as well. That's I don't know why. Well, every, every sort of moody, pretentious teenager gets excited about 1984 at some point. They do. They definitely um, do. But um, <laughs> you know, just having having that little tribute and doing it in my own way that was that was really satisfying, and I'm glad. I'm glad I did it like that and you know I'd look forward to picking up a pencil and drawing him again sometime it's going to be it's really fun it's really exciting it's all these possibilities. When you start a drawing then do you have to sort of go how would Libby draw this do you have to sort of remind yourself how you would draw it or do you does it just so natural now that sort of cartoony style that you go for? You know I do kind of yeah and apologize for interrupting again but yeah I do kind of sort of go I do think, oh, how would Libby do it? How would Libby do it? But then I realise by doing that, I'm pushing it too much and it's mm. going to be unnatural. It's best when I just relax and see what happens, to be honest. Yes. I suppose if you think about so, it too yeah. much, you could almost become a sort of a caricature of your own artwork. It's like, this is the most Libby drawing yeah. there is, whereas if you just strip it back a bit, you're going to find the true the true um, art within it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you touched on it briefly with um, your new, uh, with the new book, um, Climate Change. There's, um, in Doctor Who, it's becoming, to some people, more and more political and dealing with world issues, which is something that, let's be honest, it's sort of always done. 
um why do you think it's important for you know big mainstream shows to deal with issues like that and why do you feel some people retaliate against it and don't want it in you know their sci-fi programs i think um i'll get you know get onto it as being a big point i've always been an overthinker so i'm a very conscientious person um it sounds it sounds really really pretentious to say that but i think everything is inherently political which sounds mm. really over top but think the choice not to show things in a certain way is also political um we you know now saying oh it's too pc it's you know these special snowflakes da, 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 ignores you know the very start but think of um you know first place they go they go to scarrow and what is Scaro? It is a metaphor or a sort of parable for what could happen to Earth if there was, you know, if, if the bomb was dropped, if there was a Cold War, it's like the sort of ultimate worst case scenario. Yeah. Everyone's so badly mutated <clears throat> and burned that they, you know, they're confined to these machines and just have been completely designed around and... Um, you know, bred around war and conflict. And that is, you know, I think as a kid as well, you think a lot of people, you don't necessarily see that parallel because you don't really quite understand what's going on in the world. Um, so yeah, there's that, and it's, it's interesting to watch it evolve. It's, they all encapsulate the fears of their time. Um, I think as well, you know, the Nazi influenced a lot of people were scared about. I think it was NIDA in Genesis of the Daleks. I think, I can't remember, I think in the first episode of that serial, he had an iron cross yeah. on his uniform. And then afterwards, he wasn't wearing it anymore because someone had obviously gone, you know, that's, that's a bit too on the nose. It's, it's a bit too obvious. It could, you know, potentially even offensive and quite scary. Um, I think that, I think that media does have to there's ways to be political and to put forward issues there's sense there's ways of doing it that are ineffective and preachy and there are ways that are very very effective and ways you know ways that are more subtle my one of my favorite films of all time is um princess mononoke the um studio ghibli film and it's it's an it's an environmental film about you know destroying environments where animals live and the sort of battle between humanity and the wild world. And it's a very divisive film because it doesn't have, you know, the humans would be the obvious bad guys, but they're not played as bad guys. The humans are actually a lot more likable than a lot of the animals in this film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having, having that news, I think as well, being passionate about something, being passionate about the world, being inspired by the world and, you know, even sort of, driven to action by what you see around you is, is why we create in the first place because we want to say something you know I think people and I think I don't know I think people have a backlash to that because it makes them uncomfortable and it makes them uncomfortable because it's saying here is something going on in the world and um you know the thought that there is something that you could potentially do about it 
you know, you don't want to be doing that. You feel quite powerless when you're sitting on your sofa watching TV. You're yeah. Like, well, what can I do? Yeah. And I think, I think, to be honest, a lot of it's very, it's very big to say this. I think, <laughs> but um, I think all kind of derision, every backlash to it does come from a place, you know, to things being political, does come from a place of fear. I think it always does, and people will try and deny that, but you know. Not wanting, you know, not wanting to face things, not wanting to kind of analyse oneself. It's important to be uncomfortable. I think, you yeah. know, I think with the, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not qualified to talk on it exactly because not my experience. But think about Black Lives Matter movement and things like that that are all going on. Yeah, in some you ways, know. it would almost be irresponsible to um, be able to helm a show like Dot Two or something that has such big viewing figures and not in some way indirectly mention issues that are real world issues that could, you know, a solution could be put forward or suggested or nudged in the right direction by someone watching this program. Yeah. And as well, the doctor's a hero. The doctor is going around trying to, you know, something I did used to think a lot with sort of, um, you know, Russell T Davies and Moffat's, Joe running was that, you know, they're going and saving the universe. I thought, but what about here? There's lots of problems going here. Is the thing of it, even if, and they do, they do sort of say, is Earth worth saving? Are we good enough? Are we moral enough? Do we deserve to be saved? And that's always sort of a, quite an existential question. Something I have really loved, you know, and it's not everyone's thing. I have really loved how, Chibnall has, you know, tried to come back to Earth. We go to places like, um, well, like Punjab and to, you know, to deep south in America and yeah. things like that. And do actually go, and it's not to, do you go, look, here's what's going on. And it's not quite as Anglo-centric as well. Because it was like, oh, all these bad things. Don't worry, we saved, we saved London. We saved New York yeah places like that and i was like oh, yeah what about what about the rest of the world there's a lot yeah. there's Not a lot these of big landmark cities yeah um, exactly yeah save, saved the empire um, yes <laughs> yes um and that's not to say that other showrunners didn't do that i was you know i've only really got because i had a lot on at the time i didn't really see um you know overseas with bill in it um now that, I'm, now that I'm watching that you know that talks about politics my favorite story of all is the empty child now ironically after that scared me and watching that it's the scariest one for me not just because because there's gas masks on these but it's it just feels incredibly morbid in a good way like atmosphere is perfect and also the, it feels like the entire point of the plot is kind of, you know, the things that go unsaid, so taboos and things like that. Um, there is, you know, in the script and things people say, you know, mistreatment of kids in like the darkest ways possible and things that actually do happen and it doesn't shy away from that. Actually watching it back, I was quite taken back. I was quite surprised that actually went to that place and I'm so glad it did that is I think that's supremely powerful and I think I'm so grateful for it for doing that 
No, it's definitely one of the big positives of the show is how it's able to mention real world issues or like even with the case of the issues that have, you know, like, you know, like 50, 60, 70 years old, but still mm. important to remember. Mm. Yeah. So it's been, and, uh, oh, sorry, go on, yeah. Debbie, Carol. Well, yeah, it's been a, um, you know, it's, it's the point, the point of anything historical, what we choose to speak about is paying tribute to that thing. It's cementing that in the imagination. And, you know, we have everyone from Shakespeare to Rosa Parks. Um, yeah, that's, that's very important who we decide to talk about. No, definitely. It's been absolutely great having you on, Libby. I am going to have to run off soon because I know I've got my co-host, Harry, waiting for an eight o'clock start for our, for our podcast. So I will have to uh, okay, run, run a shot. But thank you so much for coming on. It's been a, a wonderful conversation. I feel we've talked about um, we've talked about an awful lot of uh, different aspects of Doctor Who, a lot that we wouldn't normally talk about on the show. So I can't thank you enough for coming mm-hmm. on and giving us your time. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's all right. If um, um, people want to find, um, see some of your artwork, where can they, where can they source you? Where can they find you? Okay, so I'm on Instagram. I'm at Lilliput nineteen ninety five, and that's L R. That's capital L I L I P U T T nine five. I'm at T underscore Dalek on um twitter those are kind of my main yeah those are kind of my main um sources that i do um something that i'm working on and really really so so lost on i wish i wish i'd had more of an opportunity to talk about this earlier um i'm working on a fan project um i have no clue where it's going or where where it's going to go or who's going to see it and things like that but i am going to be posting and talking about that i'm really excited um also first of black lives that matter zine that we're doing which is um painting it black um and they'll be which i'm really excited about i've contributed a story to that please go have a look all proceeds go to charity there'll be more posts about that on my chat so um yeah give Give me a follow if you think if you think you'd like that sort of thing. We'll definitely have to have you on again later when um, your fan projects are ready. We can definitely give you. A, we can chat about them and see how everything goes with that as well. Oh yeah, I hope so. It'd be really exciting. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much for having me as well. Yeah. It's been it's been lovely chatting and yeah, good luck. Good luck with the with the future and future episodes and future listeners. Yeah, the future's a bit bleak so, yeah. at the moment here in the UK, isn't it? So we'll just. Uh, the internet's our escapism oh i don't know about that i think future's in our hands it's always some you can always do more than you think ah there you uh, go so see there's, there's two there's two minds there mine was hiding the internet yours is let's do something about it be more like libby everybody <laughs> oh, thank you very much be, you don't want to be like me okay. <laughs> thank yeah, you lovely very seeing much you and yeah okay bye so there you have it that was a nice quite a lengthy interview with libby um so gracious for giving me so much of a time um really interesting a lot of information there for people who want to get into graphic design um yeah thanks very much go and check her out honestly i'll um leave some stuff in the description for you to go and find her so on that note thanks very much don't forget to subscribe and all that and see you later bye